So the flu season is upon us, and um, I, I thought I was safe since I've been taking so much NyQuil. Um, <laughs> apparently NyQuil does not have anything to do with your immune system. I don't no. know. In no. my head, it made sense. You should call someone next I, time. I should. But I, check. I, I was yeah, just I like... Tamiflu would have been a better... Well, thing. I took Tamiflu later after Elderberry. I was diagnosed. Elderberry. That's it. Emergency. Well, now I know for the future, <laughs> but I was dying in bed Super with 104 degree... Now. Fe- yeah, I was dying in bed with 104 degree fever, and I thought if I... Um, I thought I'm going to have all this time to read while I'm out recuperating, but I, the one book that I really had time to read, which was called Afterbirth, I, I like was having these like <laughs> these fever dreams. Like, I was about to say, probably hor- horrifying. Yes. Oh yeah, I had like nightmares about like dying children. It was awful. Oh, that is awful. It is, and so I decided to switch over to Grace and Frankie. And I don't know if either of you guys have seen it, but um, it's Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and okay. the beginning of the, the fourth season has Lisa Kudrow, who is like, Aww. she's my spirit animal. And, um, like, I just. Lisa Kudrow or Phoebe? Like, both. I, like, oh, Phoebe. Lisa, is, I think Lisa Kudrow is a quirky woman. She is. I think she is. She is. And but she's so smart, guys. She is really smart. Yeah. She really speaks French. She, I know. Like, <laughs> listen, so many people speak French, but yeah, but so, but. I, but no in one deal. of my fever dreams, though, I thought that I was, I thought I was in the show as, um, as, uh, Lisa Kudrow, and, and when Tyler came home, I was, like, just, like, died, like, half out of it, and I was, like, yeah, I was, like, I painted Grace's nails, and, and then I painted, um, Frankie's nails, and he was, like, who, what? And I was, like, you know, Grace, Frankie. The gang. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he was, like, oh. Oh my! And he's and he like started like rushing all this medicine to me to make sure that I wasn't still ill. So. Welcome to episode 157 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, and I'm joined today by dear friends and frequent podcast uh, co-hosts. That's fair, right? Um, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Emily and Hunter. You guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Hunter. <laughs> I'm Emily. <laughs> owner of your maker. And I'm Hunter, and I think that... Hot pink is the new beige, in a good way. It's beautiful. Beige has been out for a long time, though. Oh, hands, his hands. Hot is, pink oh. is the new, oh, hot oh. pink is like, oh. it's like the new neutral. Oh, you think? Yeah. I thought beige was like the granny color, like nobody wants to touch it. The gray, people are wearing gray hair, glasses, and granny sheet clothes. What are you talking about? That's true. Oh, beige has been out, gray is okay. in. I do love gray. We painted the upstairs gray. I want to see it. Um, Okay, so we are here for Love It or Loathe It, and we're discussing a pretty controversial book. And I say controversial only because, maybe controversial is the wrong word, polarizing book. Mm -hmm. So we are going to talk about Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. Fire Sermon released earlier this month. It was my January shelf subscription pick, and there's nothing that kind of tempers my excitement more than knowing I loved a book and then seeing the New York Times hate the book I love. Yeah. (laughs) So, Emily, why don't you tell us what Fire Sermon is about? Give us a brief synopsis. I will try. I have a lot of single-word descriptions for this (laughs) book. Um, So the main character is a married woman 
and she's in her 30s. And it's her story about her marriage, which seems fairly strong, but um, I would say she's religious, she's complex, she meets someone and they have a really strong intellectual connection. She's a intellectual and kind of how her religion forms her opinions and actions and complicates them. Okay. That was That's beautiful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. good. Job. Uh, so, part of the reason I was hesitant to send this book out into the world as a bookseller was because it does have some sexually explicit content. Mm -hmm. And I'm typically a pretty prudy person. We've talked about that on this podcast many times. Um, but I felt strongly that the content of the book and the subject matter it was covering meant that the sexually con sexual content never felt explicit to me. It felt part of like part of the story. But I did want to talk about that maybe before we dived into anything else. I think I wanted to talk about kind of the sexual content of of this particular book. So um, did you guys find it to be overwhelming? Uh, Hunter, you wrote a description on your Instagram that I thought was funny um, that maybe other yeah. listeners might appreciate. Well... In my little blurb, I said, a really interesting look at faith, marriage, sex, and infidelity. Not for everyone, but beautifully written and thought-provoking. Recommend for the Christian woman who's still got Christian guilt from reading Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I thought that was funny. Um, did you find, like, let's compare the sexual content in something like this to something like Fifty Shades of Grey, which I have never read. I don't think you can compare it. No. Do you know, um, no, you can't, here's how you compare it. You just, like, you have to acknowledge that while this has a lot of um, erotic moments in it, and it is, and there, a lot of this is about um, a woman's sexuality and about her, uh, uh, this, not just like a sexual relationship between like her and her husband, but like what what sexual chemistry kind of looks like between other people too. I think, but um, it's very literary. It's not trashy. It's not um, it's not a erotic novel. No, it's not, and I think that that is one thing um, that I kind of tried to make clear to uh, shelf subscribers was, yes, this has some sexual content, but to be fair, when I finished the book, I didn't think to myself, whoo, that was a lot of sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like instead, when I finished the book, I had a lot of thoughts about the faith of these characters mm -hmm. and their intellectual connection, like Emily said. Um, the sexual content that the book included felt like part of the story that we needed to know in order to know Maggie, the main character, more fully. Well, and you said it served its purpose. Yes, too. it purposeful. felt purposeful. Yeah. I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey was to, like, turn people on. Right. Yeah. And this was more of, like, if you took Fifty Shades of Grey and explored the psychology of what was happening between them. Okay. But it's not at all, it's not about right. S&M or anything. You right. Know, but I will say, um, just to, like, if anyone's read... Um, what Belongs to You by Garth Greenwell. It, um, it's a book that, it's a literary novel. It's very sh small like this. And it starts off with a, a story about like a sexual relationship, but it really does kind of go through the psychology of both of the characters and what what that kind of is. And it, it also in some ways reminds me of Fates and Furies just in how it explores a relationship and how um, sex can be a form of communication. Fates and Furies to me is a great comp title. Mm -hmm. uh, for Fire Sermon. Uh, Fates and Furies is another one of those books where I, I remember vaguely that it included sexual content, but that's not, when I think about Fates and Furies, that's not what I think about. Um, and so when I think about 
uh, fire sermon, the sexual content isn't the first thing I remember. I will say the copies that you guys have and that I have are the galleys or ARCs, and the front cover is very... I won't say vulgar, but like explicit. Provocative. Provocative is a great word. And I was hesitant, but then the novel didn't feel that way at all to me. I felt like the ARC cover was almost meant to to grab you and to, I don't know, shock you a little bit into reading it. Um, Okay, well, part of the reason sexuality plays such a role in this book is because really a key theme or a key subject in this book is infidelity. (coughs) So, there we (laughs) go. Excuse me. I'm I'm safe. I'm clean. I'm clean. I Um, took my NyQuil. (laughs) I'm safe. Um, So, can we talk about infidelity, which... Hunter, you made an interesting point about infidelity in literary fiction, I think. What did I say? I think you just said that if you read... Oh, yeah. If you, like, if you read, if you read literary fiction, a lot of times infidelity is a, it's a big theme in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, whether it's, and because this is, I'm going to, like, bring this into the, what the book is about, because the book is about a Christian woman, um, and within like the Christian religion, like it's believed that even if you like, like lusts of the heart is it's just as bad. Like it's considered just as bad. So like, so, um, you know, really like infidelity, if, if you're looking at it from that perspective, then in so many more books than we even want to categorize, put it in that category, like they do kind of deal with infidelity, even if it is just of the heart. Well, let's be clear. Uh, she's having an emotional affair to me long yes. before she's having a yeah. physical affair. Um, I mean, we can talk about that. I guess, in more detail. Yeah, but. well, and the thing is, too, you know, I think that with infidel, um, I think the way that infidelity is handled in this, I think it's a very natural progression. From um, the relationship For the relationships. She she, yes. Um, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not a surprise. It didn't feel cheap. Um, and actually, this reminded me of a story um, that Alice Monroe wrote. Um, and it's about this, and it's, a, it's a love story, actually, but it's about this man and woman. And at the very end, you discover that it was actually an affair. Because mm. she she actually approaches the wife. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and um, and I remembered like feeling almost betrayed, but also still I was still in love with them as as a couple. And I feel like um, in this story, fire sermon, like you really it kind of pushes what your thoughts are on on relationships with people and 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 what it really means to betray somebody and like if 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 someone is bad treats you badly, does it justify like? treating them in a way that's disrespectful. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to talk about, too. So in the book, Maggie is married to Thomas. Thomas is a less-than-ideal husband, in my opinion. There Mm -hmm. are things about him that are... I feel like I used the word deplorable before we started recording. That seems harsh. But um, there were things about him I really struggled with, and yet, does their complicated relationship justify her affair? I'm, You know, I'm... No, I don't. I, I don't, don't think, that, think it does. that. I don't even think the author entertains that. No, that yeah. idea. I don't think until one part where he, I don't know what uh, in this book is spoilers, honestly. Oh, yeah, this book is literary fiction. I feel like it's, yeah, it, it is. This is, what it is. Well, listen, sorry guys. Like <laughs> spoilers abound, and I don't think it makes a difference in in a book no, like well, this. Well, wait, I'll just say this really quickly. There was actually a research done recently that said that if people know know more about a book, especially uh, a lot about the ending, they're more likely to enjoy it. Oh, that's interesting. I've always liked to know the ending. I'm just gonna put it out there, and I have had friends who refuse to tell me the ending, and it 
makes me angry. Yes. <laughs> and but I like because then I can in, I can like absorb the details of things if I know yeah. what's coming. That's so what's Harry the from when Harry was selling. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, the like you had like a thing that was spoiler related about infidelity. Oh. About. So when when you know she kind of tells her husband and he apologizes says I drove you to him. Mm. That's the only time I really felt like that was even the thought. Yeah, I don't think the author entertains it. I think I, as a reader, entertained it. Yeah. Because as a reader, I think, and perhaps I'm alone in this, but I feel like sometimes literature or movies or whatever make us pick sides. Mm -hmm. And I think while I was reading, I was thinking, should I be picking a side here? What I like about Jamie Quattro is that, no, all of these characters Mm -hmm. are super complicated. Um, None of them, if you, if, who is it? Somebody on my staff, I think, only really, or maybe mostly enjoys books about likable people. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure these are likable people. Mm-hmm. These are flawed, complicated um, relationships between flawed, complicated people. And so I, I wasn't rooting for anyone, but I think at first I was thinking, is this okay? Because right. he has, he has maybe driven her to this point. Um, but I I just think that everything we've talked about so far isn't even like the point of the book. What do you think the point? I of the think book is? it's all about her religion. I do too. That was on my list. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> remember wait, my list. <laughs> well, wait. Before we get to religion, though, there's just like like I want to just take one more moment to explore like this idea of him pushing her to another man. Okay. Because I remember reading it because he convi- like he kind of like gives her this like her husband gives before they're ever married. Um, She's never been with anyone else but him. And he gives her this sob story that kind of makes her feel like she needs to be intimate with him in order to help him feel better and feel wanted and loved. And I also think it's at one point, like right before their wedding, like he is a little bit violent in a sexual way towards her. Um, and it's kind of like a precursor for, precursor for like their whole relationship, really, and, and how if he doesn't get what he wants, he takes it. And it's really interesting that I, when I, because I remember reading this and a lot of Christian friends that I have who are like happily married, I remember one time one woman, she told me, she said, you know, like I've been like reading this book and it says that, you know, you have to like make your man happy, like da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, if, if it comes to the point where you like, you are like physically forced to do something like that, that is rape at this point. And I do think it's and, like semi-spoiler alert, but like, I mean, I do feel like her husband is like very rapey. And, um, and I don't think that his behavior is acceptable. I don't think her, I mean, I don't think it's okay that she had an affair, but I completely understood where she was coming from because, I mean, and he just does things that he thinks are like, he, he does things he thinks are going to help their relationship by like. I think he does things that he thinks are normal yeah. and fine that I think most of us would say are not normal. No, fine. but it's normal, but I do think it's normal for a lot, not, and mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize. I was about to say. Mm-hmm. I don't generalize. <laughs> but a lot of like, a from the generation that like I came from, like when I remember being in the church, especially around a bunch of like newlywed men, I remember hearing the advice they were given and stuff like yeah. that. And so I don't, I don't necessarily think that everyone applied it, but I do think that like there's like this general idea of like of how you, um, how you should like handle your relationships. I think in religious circles there is, and I frequently have said this, and maybe Chris and I have even talked about it at some point. I do think there are serious conversations to be had in Christianity or perhaps any Any, other religion where we need to be having about sexuality and Mm -hmm. about how we treat sex and, and, and especially when we're young and what we hold up to be bright and pure Mm -hmm. and the consequences of that. I think, and 
Emily, to go back to your point, I think that is the point of this book. I think the point of this book is how her religious beliefs, her deeply held religious beliefs, play a role in her relationships. I think it's not necessarily the sex that leads her to have an affair. It's that she's able to have these deep, interesting conversations about faith that she cannot have with her husband. Because he's agnostic. Um, he's agnostic, but agnostic and not willing to talk about Like, Right. I think you could probably have an interesting relationship, friendship or, or otherwise, with somebody who believes differently from you if you can talk about it. Her mm-hmm. husband seems very closed off to attending church or to talking with her about her own beliefs. So she, I think, finds comfort and solace in this person who is deeply intellectual, mm-hmm. um, but also deeply religious. Yeah. And I think that intimacy ultimately ultimately leads to a sexual relationship. But, but that's why I said it, it feels m- much more like an emotional affair first. Yeah. Um, because they're having these really interesting, and what I love most about the book is these interesting, deep conversations these two people are having about, about faith. And she yeah. can't have that, or she hasn't been able so she hasn't fought for that in her marriage, I don't think. Well, and honestly, it's so funny because I remember reading. I remember while reading this, at one point, I thought I, w- I was thinking about all of the um, Christian fiction I've read from um, like Jane Caron or whatever. Jane Caron. Jane Caron. Um, she wrote the At Home in Mitford, the yes, Mitford books. Mitford books, um, and thinking about Marilyn Robinson with like Gilead and oh, um, so yeah, which is beautiful. And I was thinking like, a, like really. This book, I, I love Gilead, and I love Marilyn Robinson. I think that she really knows how to incorporate um, Christian faith in general in a very um, realistic way. But this, to me, was the first time that I'd ever really seen um, a fully realized human woman, specifically, who's a Christian, who is and like and what it what it looks like to be a real human Christian woman, especially in like kind of today's world, mm-hmm. and. And, and not only that, but I was so happy to see someone who um, wasn't stupid. It wasn't portrayed stupid. <laughs> yeah. wasn't, you know, because, yeah. like, a lot of times, like, you know, you, like, think about ECA. Amanda Bynes is portrayed as this, like, kind of evil archetype. This, like, good yeah, it is a good movie. <laughs> but, but you're she, right. She yeah. is definitely a stereotype. Yes. And this was not stereotypical at all, where no. I didn't think. I thought that I, I know women who are like this. And... Um, but which, granted, let's just also, like, I want to clear this up. I think that, like, every character I read is great and wonderful when I'm reading them. I'm very empathetic to people I read, so don't take my judgment as, like, you know, the end all. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I was personally, like, really for her, um, whatever she did, because I thought, well, she's so she's such a real person that, like, you know, I'm glad that she's just making choices. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was just so, I don't know, it's just so refreshing to see a real live Christian woman who's also like honest about how she feels in her like about like her faith and and her um sexual side and 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 is able to like have a conversation about both I yeah I really felt you know a lot of times when I'm reading stories that I know are not true Mm -hmm. I like judge the way that the person writes them or Mm -hmm. and this just felt so real Mm -hmm. it felt I mean I identified with some of the stuff in this book the way she thinks because Mm -hmm. I was raised in the church and you know, I met my husband in college and it was the first time like I was in love and and it was a lot of my decisions were centered or the center of my decisions was my religious beliefs and there was a lot of guilt and struggle mm-hmm. and question and but you know, I felt like 
this book was the moment where she stops just pushing through it and she starts confronting it and questioning it and God, the, the part, the actual fire sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this book was like just so real. And the yeah. writing and, is fantastic. Yeah. The writing is phenomenal. And I, I think that's what I really struggle with about the New York Times review. Um, somebody, I was talking with somebody else who loved this book and I said, gosh, I'm glad to meet somebody who loved it because I read the New York Times review and felt like, oh no, did I misread this mm-hmm. entire book? Because it, I frequently will have differing opinions from a New York Times reviewer, but this reviewer was scathing about mm-hmm. even her writing style. And it was like, this is a beautifully written, no um, it's about complicated people, but the prose doesn't feel overcomplicated or mm-hmm. showy. Well, and, and there's even po- bits of poetry in here yeah. and letters. And I, I well, just she's a poet, it. and yeah. I think that it's it's. I think that this is the first time that I've read a, a, a book about a poet, aside from Forty Rooms, oh, that yeah. felt like a poet was narrating it to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Yeah, um, but it it felt extremely realistic. And I've talked mm-hmm. before on the podcast how, as a person of faith, I prefer to read and to watch faithful people who struggle. Yes. And Chris and I have mentioned, like, on a totally lighter side, we both love the show Jane the Virgin mm-hmm. because it shows a family of faith who they have they make complicated decisions. Mm-hmm. They are complicated people. Obviously, it's told from a lighter right. perspective, although some heavy things are in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, But I love watching it because I feel like it does people of faith justice. People of faith are just as complicated and just as flawed as anybody else. We're, we're all humans and we're perhaps even more flawed because we've got this moral compass we're trying to follow. Yeah. You're trying to be like project one thing and and go through the same emotions and feelings and temptation that everyone else And you mentioned guilt. I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to say like the guilt, the way that this book was structured and you're going through time back Mm -hmm. and forth and you get small clips and poetic clips and paragraphs and journal entries. I mean, I, I don't think that I need to like TMI this, but I mean, I felt like the way that I have experienced guilt because of my religion, um, was exactly how this book was written. Just, mm-hmm. like, the panic yeah. of, like, being okay with it and then whipping back and being like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And then I remember this one thing and then I got to live and be present in my life but still focus on the past and yeah. and worry about, like, at what point am I forgiven? And, yeah. But I loved also how this wasn't a book about someone, and it goes back to this idea of, like, it being about a real Christian person, um, is that it's about, it, it never once was, like, this woman being like looking down on other people for a, no. something, and then her like making her own mistakes because I feel like that's such a such a um, reoccurring theme. Like a trope. Like, it's a trope. It is yeah. a trope. Yeah, where like where they're like, oh, somebody sinned, and like, and I'm gonna judge them, but now I'm gonna do the same thing, kind of. And right. I hate that because you know that we have all these ideas about Christianity in our heads, especially because we're all here from the south, and um, and we all have these ideas of like of like how judgmental Christians can be, which is not to say that there aren't judgmental Christians, um, but there are. <laughs> there are. Like I meet them all the time, but like, but you know, um, I all, like, it's just, for instance, you, Annie, I like, I haven't seen you. Like not, not that she's not like Maggie in like a lot of those ways. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but, like, but like, I haven't seen like a really intelligent, complicated, strong Christian woman like portrayed in fiction that much. So, well, thank you, Hunter. Um, I think Emily, you mentioned we started this 
episode with a conversation about sex and a conversation about infidelity, but you're right. I don't think that's what this book is about. And it's why I don't have trouble recommending it. And Mm -hmm. it's why I wasn't, I mean, I was a little hesitant to send it out as a shelf subscription, but I really wanted people to know, despite what our ARC said on the front, despite that little blurb that felt fairly explicit and shocking, that's not what this book is to no. me. Um, this it's not book, like telling about it happening. It no. almost already happened. Yeah. This is about people grappling with the decisions they've made, with the moral compass that guides them. Mm-hmm. You're right. Faith is the center of this novel. And we mentioned Fates and Furies as a comp. I think Gilead would be another great comparable title. Yes. I personally, I mentioned this before we started recording, there's this really lovely little book that I don't think was super popular when it came out, but it was called Francis and Bernard. And it was... Um, about it was a fictional book about the real life relationship between Flannery O'Connor and a dear friend whose name I cannot remember. And it was a novel of letters between the two and they had these really lovely, interesting conversations about faith. Mm-hmm. And I loved that book because those are the kinds of relationships I had. I went to a very conservative Christian college and I know that not everybody who went to my university had the same kinds of experiences I did. But what I loved about my Christian college experience was I was surrounded by people. We had thoughtful, no, we were in college, so I'm sure they were not as thoughtful as we thought they were, right. you know, <laughs> but we had interesting, complicated conversations about what we believed. Mm-hmm. Practically every week, my husband and I have really interesting, complicated conversations about faith and how it affects our lives and our decisions. And and the people I love the most are the people who are willing to grapple with that with me. And so there's a part of me that wishes Fire Sermon had been about about a platonic relationship right. between a man and a woman um, because I feel like we rarely get a look at a platonic friendship. But it wouldn't friendship. have justified the panic. But you're right. It, it wouldn't have shown us the very accurate portray, portrayal of guilt. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it would have missed an element. Yeah. I, I think I there was a part of me that just wanted that relationship to stay platonic because I don't mm-hmm. see that relationship very often. And I want to believe in my heart of hearts that men and women can be friends and can yeah. have interesting conversations and still remain faithful to their spouses. Um, but, but I love this book not because it is about sex or infidelity, but because it is about faithful people mm-hmm. who can't quite figure out how to remain faithful, I think. No, and I, I, I think something I'm really happy about, it's so funny because this, um, when I was reading this, there was one point where I was looking at my like shelf and I was thinking about what other titles would be similar. And the only other time that I feel like um, there's been this idea of like, of like um, faith and behavior that's, like questionable, like, like we question whether or not it's justified, um, because of like how we view how we view things through because of our faith. Um, I was thinking about the Book of American Martyrs by Joyce Carol Oates. Oh yeah, you've because, talked about it. Because yeah, because it's about it's about it's really like like it's a heavy book because it's about um, this Christian man who shoots and kills an abortion doctor, and it talks a lot about uh, and, it, and it doesn't really deal with them actually. It, deal, it actually deals with their families and the repercussions mm-hmm. that come from it, but. Um, one one side of the family is a Christian. One family is a Christian family. Another side is they they have their faith, but it's not necessarily as strong. But it's so funny because um, the way that this deals with with guilt is the same way that that book kind of dealt mm-hmm. with guilt. As far as like when you think what you're doing, like I mean, because really, like with even with this woman in in, in uh, Maggie and Firestorm, when you think about her guilt, she also in some ways might feel like 
justified or that like or like maybe because I know that she bounces back like Emily says like she has moments of this is fine this is okay and then moments of oh no no panic yeah because you think like I mean because like I could I could imagine being her and thinking like well God put this person in my life like what like why why wouldn't he like let me have this moment of joy if I have this Mm -hmm. strong connection and stuff fire sermon yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's like you know so you think about that it's it's so true that like we do have to battle with these ideas of like what really is right and what really is wrong and how it's not black and white it's so nuanced yeah I mean... Well, and this is, to me, this is a refreshing book because life is complicated and nuanced. And right now, I feel like in our culture, Mm -hmm. it feels very polarizing and very black and white. And I like to live and converse in the gray. (laughs) So this felt like a book that aided me in that. Okay, this is a weird book to do this with, but love it or loathe it. Emily? I loved it. I want everyone to read this book. I was really nervous about it because I I have, like, a lot of feelings about infidelity. And I don't typically let my... I just don't find them entertaining. So I don't watch movies about it or read books about it. And um, But this was just so real. Mm -hmm. This was just so beautiful. She was a beautiful person. She was complicated and messy and just... But also, she moved forward and she didn't dwell. She didn't you know, oh, she dwelled, but she didn't, <laughs> she didn't, like, stay in one place and let the guilt ruin her. That's like, right. She moved forward. She led her life. She, she thought about it. You know, she worked it out. She sought help. She, and I just, re- I really, I don't know, as someone who has struggled with their faith and in, in the last few years, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say I struggled with it, mm-hmm. but I've had questions because of, like, friends getting divorced and, and things in the world happening and just right. being like, mm-hmm. God. <laughs> yeah, the older we get, the harder it gets. Yeah, yeah. so it's just like, you know, I don't want to say struggle, but it's just, it makes me, there's new questions. Yeah. And to, to like, to see someone working it out, like, mm-hmm. I mean, this was so accurate. Mm-hmm. Just And then the fire sermon was so perfect. Like, just mm-hmm. such a release and, like, a way for her to, you know, just, I don't know. It was, I just really thought this was one of the most perfect books I've ever read. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so happy. Okay, Hunter. I loved it, and I, halfway through, I, I was wondering, because I, I, I was really, enjo- I was not enjoying it, but I was, um, it was just so tough to read for a lot of reasons, uh, dealing with it, because it's such heavy subject matter, but um, I'm just, like, very, very happy that a book like this can be written. Yeah, that literature like this exists. Yeah. Sometimes, have you ever heard that G.K. Chesterton quote? It's one of my favorites. Like, it's something about you say grace before meals, but I say grace before the opera, before... And then he, like, makes this long list. (laughs) The other night, I was like, I sometimes find myself, dear Lord, thank you that books like this exist in the world. Thank you that writers like this can articulate what we're feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. it gives me a lot of hope that literature like this can be written and exist in a time like we are currently living in. Yeah. Um, I also loved this book. I don't think that's shocking. I, I wanted to discuss it because I like discussing, like I've already mentioned, complicated things with smart people, um, which I, I just love the conversations that we have here. But So I wanted to discuss this book in particular, and I wanted to discuss it and give people who I've mailed this book to a chance to see kind of why I mailed it out. I didn't mail it out because it was Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it is at all. I think it's... I think it's just a really complicated look at faith, and faith is complicated. Yeah. If faith isn't complicated, 
I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't know if we're doing it right if it's not complicated and right. we're not thinking about it. Um, anyway, so I'm really glad we got the opportunity to discuss it. Uh, Fire Sermon by Jamie Quattro. If you have read it, if you were a shelf subscriber or not, and you have somehow stumbled upon this lovely piece of literature, we'd love to know what you think. Um, you can email. You can email me at annie at bookshelfthomasville.com. We're at the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by Annie Jones and Chris Jensen and edited by me, Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing the book that we talked about this episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel, and it's from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. And if you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like our secret monthly podcast, Unpopular Opinions, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for free web-only content and a full back catalog of our show, detailed show notes, and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, I'm sure a funny thing happened, but I wasn't there. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.